Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What's up, everybody? This is your boy Austin D, and I'm... Here with a very special guest, man, NBA insider, man. Started journalism at a young age. Go ahead and introduce yourself to Tallahassee. What's up, Tallahassee? Brandon Scooby Robinson in studio with these gentlemen here. Uh, NBA writer, Heavy.com, host of the Scoopy Radio Podcast. Make sure you all subscribe to the Scoopy Radio Podcast. 3.5 million streams uh, on all platforms uh, in 2018. Anybody from, excuse me, two, yeah, two, I'm, I'm still getting used to the fact it's 2020. <laughs> uh, but 3.5 million streams in 2018. Anybody from Charles Barkley, the voice of Siri, Mark Cuban, um, a myriad of other people. But uh, my name is Brandon Scoopy Robinson, uh, NBA writer, and uh, we met on Instagram. Hey, exa- exactly. I, I, hey, we might as well go ahead and hop into it, man. Um, so yeah, me and me and Scoop B, you know, I, he noticed I was following him for for a little minute, you know, and uh, I remember I started following him when the Kawhi Leonard free agency, uh, oh boy, saga and everything <laughs> like that. I, I remember that I was I literally had my phone on the side of my hip, staying updated, updated. What did Scoop B report this time? You know, it my, it was coming in, you know, just you know, second after second, you know, minute after minute, hour after hour. So, you know, that that was the first time I met you, and well, first time I had noticed your work, you know, on social media as well. So. Like I said, we might as well go ahead and hop into it. Real quick, how was your day going so far? Busy. Busy. So, um, I was in Mexico from last week. Mm-hmm. Well, from Friday to, uh, at the time of this recording, what's today? Friday, right? Yeah, so January I was, 10. Uh, yeah, so I basically was away for a week. And, um, long story short, um, I got in this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live in New Jersey, about 20 minutes from Manhattan. I got in at one thirty this morning. Uh, I had a 9 a.m. flight. I was actually supposed to be back Wednesday night. My mm-hmm. lady got sick Ooh. and went. To, we, went, we all went to Mexico together, and um, she had to go to the emergency room. So crazy story. We had to pay a doctor to come to the hotel, $100. She was, you know, not feeling well. She ended up having cramps. She had cramps, like, from the food and the water, whatever, and she had something called Montezuma's Revenge. Which basically, like, if you travel, you have to adjust to the water and the air and everything else. She was in a in a hospital. They wanted two thousand dollars for her to be admitted into the emergency room. What? So, th- for anybody who's listening right now, 
Here's the finesse. If you ever travel outside of the country, buy traveler's insurance because that bypassed everything. We ended up staying another day and leaving. But when I was leaving Mexico, I, my flight was delayed for three hours. So I was supposed to get home at 11.59. I didn't get home to really about, I landed at 11.59. I got home around like 2.33 o'clock in the morning. Came home, showered, changed, repacked my bag, flew here. So I'm on like maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes of sleep. And, and school. No, uh-uh, you, you're not you're not finna get away that smooth because I saw in your IG store we talked about this off air as well. You know, you went to Mexico, got some handmade tortillas, and you didn't you didn't get a chance to bring me one. What's up with that scoop? See what happened was, it would have got spoiled by the time I got to you. You think so? I know so. <laughs> it would you, but but I, I I tweeted this the other day. I, I took I had a video of. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. Uh, mm-hmm. Shameless plug, but I tweeted a picture of this woman making handmade tacos and this and and um, Chichen Itza. I did a like an excursion while I was there, mm-hmm. and she was making handmade tacos. And I took a video and I tweeted it and I said, "Chipotle and Taco Bell wishes." because <laughs> that's authentic and somebody commented and said Scoop stop talking about Ch- Taco Bell and Chipotle to them people they they cooking up that pure raw in, 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 in Mexico right now meaning it's the official official tortillas but yeah man it, it was good I mean but the food over there was good overall the food the, the drinks the liquor um, the, the the good conversation it just was an overall good experience I had never been to Mexico before so now Scoop you grew up in Harlem New York right I split time between northern New Jersey and Harlem okay. uh, my my mom and dad split when I was three mm-hmm. my dad's from Jersey my mom is from Harlem and so divorce split time between both but I claim both as home Okay, because, you know, I, of course, I did my due diligence in my research. And I seen that, you know, from an early age, you know, around the age of 12 years old, you know, you started covering the New Jersey Nets at the time at mm-hmm. about 12 years old. Can you describe to me, you know, your experience, you know, starting journalism early, you know, how you were able to interact with some of the players and head coaches and, you know, other people within the journalism industry? So uh, I had a show called Net Slamming Planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, when I was 12 years old. It was I co-hosted it with uh, former Net Albert King, who's the brother of Bernard King, a woman named Lynn Wilson and a guy named Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts is still a personality in New York on Sports Radio 66 WFAN. Um, I did the show for two years, interviewed anybody uh, from uh the the I don't know if you guys remember the, the the movie the Disney movie Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Rick, oh yeah, I remember that. Rick yeah. Moranis to um, uh, Jason Williams, the guy who you know ended up shooting a limo driver uh, back when he was in, during his playing career. Um, Sam Cassell, Keith Van Horn, and more. Um, the show was featured on NBA Inside Stuff with Amar Rashad. Um, so that was my early start. I got that job. Basically, the show was on radio, New York radio. And what happened was I auditioned at Chelsea Pier in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, you ever hear the song? Uh, Bonnie and Clyde with Jay-Z and Beyonce you know yeah. the part where he goes uh, cruising down the west side highway <laughs> Chelsea Pierce off the west side highway okay okay makes um, sense now yes sir so at the first round it was hundreds of kids at audition I, I killed the first audition second audition was at Dangerfield's Comedy Club in Manhattan got that so what happened was it wasn't an audition for the Nets it was actually an audition for uh, the Crash Dummies I don't know if you guys remember the Crash Dummies like when you would see commercials where they would do tests for cars you see those dummies that hit the, you know when the airbag pops up they used to have the dummy the crash dummies used to dance we were doing commercials for the crash dummies and what happened was at the time the nets were rebranding that was back when john calipari was the head coach of the, the new jersey nets mm-hmm. um they were looking they had a new logo they were looking for a kid personality and they found me and uh hosted the show for two years and that you know that gave me my start just to give you a point of reference when i was 12 i saw chris i saw chris, i was in a locker room you know bumping elbows with chris broussard and adrian wojnarowski whoa 
Woj for those who are basketball diehards. <laughs> uh, and I would see Stephen A. Smith in the visiting locker room when the 76ers would be in town. So, you know, if they if those guys feel old, you know, I feel old because I watched their journey uh, over the last 20 years and I'm still young myself. Now, Scoop, I know you mentioned before in your intro, but you worked for numerous media media publications as well, like Basketball Society, which you currently work at as a senior writer. Um, you worked at The Source magazine as a staff writer. You worked as a columnist on the podcast of CBS. Can you just describe, you know, the journey that you've been on and how how have you uh, seen yourself grow as a as a writer throughout your, your experiences? Um, I think that when I finished grad school uh, at Hofstra University, mm-hmm. um, I lived in my grandmother's basement for five years. Um, no job was no no big network was 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 um was was checking for me. But the 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 advantage that I had was relationships. Um, when I lived in my grandmother's basement, um. My father had passed away months before I moved down there. He was living down there. And basically, like, I was helping her and, and spending time with her and while I was building my career um, early on after grad school. And so, you know, I was I was freelancing here and there, living on food stamps. And I had a refrigerator and a freezer that didn't work exactly as a fridge and a freezer. So, like, the freezer heated up or kept the, the food cold like it was refrigerated. <laughs> and the refrigerator didn't work. I didn't have a stove. I cooked food on a George Foreman grill, a, a, a microwave, and a crock pot. And I stole cable from upstairs. I don't know the last time I used a George Foreman grill. Man. Back, back when I was younger? Yeah. When yeah. I was like in kindergarten? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. But the, but I'll tell you, it was during that time that built character. Like, you know, living in the basement, like I had a, you know, I had a, a walk-in closet. I had a kitchen. I had a living room. I had, you know, I, I had a bathroom. But, you know, every day... I was freelancing. If I didn't open the computer, I didn't eat. But I built relationships. Like, you know, during that time, you know, Jabril Peppers, who plays for um, the New York Giants, right. I was covering him in high school. Like, when I would, would need quotes, I'd text him, yo, uh, what do you or answer this question? And he'd he, he text me. You know, during that time, I built a relationship with Kyrie Irving before LeBron James and him were teammates. You mm-hmm. know, so I, I connect with him way before the championship year in 2016. Um, you know, during that time, I built a relationship with Snoop Dogg's son when he was playing high school football. Um, you know, I, I freelanced at Slam Magazine. Um, you know, I, I freelanced at Max Preps. And then, you know, as the relationships kept growing, uh, I would turn those relationships into, you know, writing, you know, and, and doing different things. So, you know, when I was at the Source Magazine, I infused my, my interest in hip hop and culture uh, into the the interests of, of, of sports, you know. And, and you know, so one of the, the, the good moments about, you know, my life coming full circle was in 2014. Uh, when NBA commissioner Adam Silver and the NBA banned uh, Donald Sterling uh, as as the uh, owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, I got some national TV exposure from doing that. The question that I asked, and you know, I just continued to grow. You know, CBS came along, and I think the biggest growth for me was learning how to get that viral quote or that viral moment and flipping <laughs> it. You know, on the podcast, I was at CBS Radio. Uh, I did a podcast for about a year and a half you know, called Brown and Scoop. And, uh, you know, we were on the Play Dot It Network as long with Elliot Wilson and B Dot when they did the Rat Radar podcast movies. We were on the same network as, you know, Nori when he did Drink Champs and, you know, some of those other people. So, like, you know, there were like maybe 300 podcasts that were on that network. At, at one point, we were the t- uh, we were 15, number 15 of 300 mm-hmm. uh, rated. Number 
numbers wise. So, you know, the show was, you know, mentioned on TMZ, mentioned on Complex, Bleacher Report. Like I learned how the quote, the headline and the in the in that snippet, you know, goes a long way. Um I had a, a former player come on the podcast of Brown Scoop and tell us, you know, um his name was Rashawn McLeod. He told us about a time that um Michael Jordan was kicking Jerry Stackhouse's ass <laughs> on the court while singing Anita Baker's Giving You the Best That I Got. Ooh. And that hit like TV. So it's like stuff <laughs> like that that's never told before. Sometimes you don't always have to get the big star to tell you a story. Sometimes it's something that you'll never suspect. Like Samaki Walker, who played for the Lakers, telling us Kobe Bryant sucker punched him over $200. That hit TMZ. I, I, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, that was on that was on the show. So, just learning the the the, the algorithms and 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 just le- writing and 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 asking questions based off things that you actually give a damn about. Like that's important. Now, I've seen you talk about connections. You know, better connections and how important it is. You know, within the journalism industry. So, you know, I've seen that you like you listened to Sean Denevy growing up in your childhood, and um, how you guys built connections. And can you describe how that relationship? Has been who are you talking about? I listen to who? Uh, Sean Denevy, Devony, Devony. Yes, sir. Where did I say that? Um, it was on a podcast. So Sean Devony, I write at Heavy.com mm-hmm. as well as Basketball Society. Right. Sean Devony um, is now a writer as along at at, at um, Heavy with me. He was at the Sporting News for years. Right. Um, in '97 when he started at at um the Sporting News. I was doing net slam and playing in '97, and that carried over to you know when I was in when I was in college in high school. I would just read his stuff, and then you know, Sporting News did a ton of layoffs. And um, what I will tell you is, um, when he when I heard from my editor that Sean Devaney was coming over to heavy, I was like, "Wait, Sean's coming over here? Like that's pretty dope." <laughs> and um, I'll tell you that. Over the last month, Sean and I have had a lot of conversations via text or on the phone just about various things I've reported. You know, I was with Jalen Brown last month, and Jalen Brown, I asked him a question about Kyrie Irving. I, Kyrie Irving has been a viral topic for me the last couple of weeks um, as it relates to Jalen Brown basically saying, you know, the Celtics and, and management and, and the coach may have been at fault uh, with with his Kyrie's departure with the Celtics. And, mm-hmm. you know, that Celtics – uh, area is Sean Devaney's territory. Uh, and we've talked about just different things that have gone on because, you know, Jalen Brown actually walked back those comments. and uh, But he said it on audio, and, you know, we've worked past that. And then, you know, I, I broke a story about Kyrie Irving's uh, shoulder. Uh, and, and the impingement was actually uh, a thoracic bursitis, a league source shared with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what I'll tell you is um, Kenny Atkinson, the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, refuted that and said it was false. And Kyrie Irving had a presser and said he had bursitis. So it's like, so who's lying? And so Sean and I have had conversations about various different things. It's kind of a full circle moment. And I'll just tell you that, you know, to get that information about Kyrie Irving, if you've listened to anything I've said in the interview, you would know how I got that information without throwing anybody under the bus. Relationships are everything. Now, I did want to take a second to applaud you because, you know, Back in 2016, you launched Scooby Radio independently with DJ Manny L. So can you describe how, to me how it is, you know, to start your own brand, to build your own brand, and to promote your own brand to the to the masses? Um, well, for me, I, I think everybody can't do that uh, because it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of um, sacrifice and, 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 and 
even people laughing at you. Um, Scoopy Radio literally began um, from a, a Timberland box. How New York does that sound? <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> basically, um, when I did my show, Net Slamming Planet, um, I used to get tapes um, after uh, the broadcast. We, I used to tell people all the time, yo, I had a show when I was a kid, but this was before Wikipedia. This was before you know viral and everything else how do you show that so basically scoopy radio was nothing more than just a a a, um, a time capsule mm-hmm. of work so like i have interviews from when i was a kid with like the kimbe matumbo yes he still sounded like the cookie monster back then no 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 exactly I, <laughs> I had bj armstrong who played with the bulls with michael um scott burrell who was at uconn with ray allen and you know won a championship with the bulls um and more so basically we started digitizing and, and what happened was concurrently while i was doing my show at cbs uh, I did some interviews on Scoopy Radio, uh, and they went viral. So I did an interview with Tim Thomas, former NBA player, and he talked about his beef with Kenyon Martin and 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 basically um, that whole situation, which I don't want to revisit, but it 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 got in Fifty Cent's hands, and then he gassed it. But um, that Tim Thomas moment was the viral moment that mm-hmm. continued to to make the fire spread. Like Jason McIntyre, uh, that's my dude. He wrote about it. Uh, Bomani Jones, that's my dude. He retweeted it, and this was in 2016. It, it just it it. What happened was we were doing the podcast at first on Podomatic, but because the numbers were what it was, we basically bought the domain name to Scoopy Radio and did just po- posted it on our own platform, and then you know started on Google Play. It spread to uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, then Spotify, then iHeartRadio. But the, the the people writing about it is what really did it. But what really pushed Scoopy Radio over the edge was in 2017 when I did an interview with Kenny Smith. Uh, Kenny, Kenny, the loophole with Kenny is uh, my late uncle, uh, Billy, who introduced me to basketball. He was a commissioner of parks in a, a city league in New York City called Citywide. Anybody who came out of New York played played um, in Citywide. So like Rod Strickland, mm-hmm. he knew Rod, he knew Bernard King, he knew Stephon Marbury, he knew Kenny. Kenny and I built a relationship with my, my late uncle, and you know I asked Kenny a question that I knew would stick. I asked him, had Michael Jordan not retired, uh, would the Bulls still have won uh, those two championships, and would the Rockets beat him? And he said, we would have beat him, no question. That made its way all the way to ESPN's The Jump. And uh, you know all the aggregates picked it up, and you know it just continued to spread. And um, you know that's just relationship. Is a lot of people who get in and all they get is quotes from players and officials from being at media pressers. But it's the moves you make where you get people's phone numbers, you get their emails, um, you deal with them in person and, you know, people feel comfortable telling you things. So, you know, the podcast has been successful. I learned a lot of tricks of the trade from my time at CBS and apply it to, you know, when you have a pen and you mix it with audio, video and, and photos, uh, you, you've created uh, something that can't be beat and uh, with, a, with a headline that's substantial. You know, I think that's what Scoopy Radio has become, has become a respected new source. Mm-hmm. Now, since you've been doing this show since 2016, you got you had special guests like Kenya Martin, Allen Iverson, you no, know, et cetera. Um, can you tell me what was one of your favorite inter- interviews or one of your favorite guests that you had on your podcast? Um, it's a good question. Um <laughs> Anytime I can get Tim Thomas on is great because he's played with just about every. He's played with eight different teams and he's connected. He's played against Michael, he's played against LeBron, he's played with Kobe and Vince Carter in AAU. Um, uh, the voice of Siri was a good interview because I asked her what zero divided by zero was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
I think um I don't know that I I think Kenny's my favorite just because of the relationship and the rapport that I have with Kenny, even mm-hmm. outside of just interviewing him like you know, I, I can reach out to him and, and get advice or, you know, stuff like that. I think it's the interviews that turn into longstanding relationships. I think, you know, Silk the Shocker, that's my dude. Um, I think I've enjoyed that interview just because he's somebody that I grew up watching on my TV um, and, you know, can count him as a friend. You know, I, I think that's the thing about it. I think you turn those relationships that you've done where you're interviewing people and it turns into other opportunities outside of just, you know, the pen and the paper. And I'm still growing. Like, I'm not having a ride. But um, I'm in. I'm in. I'm. I think in the last year, I've really just enjoyed the process because not only am I doing the podcast, not only am I writing, but I'm also putting stuff out there that's futuristic that ends up happening, and you know, it's it, it's raising my profile, and it's a great it's a great opportunity. Now, I know you were one of one of the main people covering the Kawhi Leonard saga this past summer when he ultimately decided to go to the Los Angeles Clippers. Now that we have seen two games out of the Lakers and the Clippers. Clippers winning both matchups. Do you feel Kawhi Leonard made the right decision? And how is it like covering that saga along with who, what team reigns supreme in LA right now to you? Well, you asked a lot of questions. I'm going to try to answer as many as I can. So, um, number one, do I think it was the right decision? I think Kawhi made the best decision uh, mm-hmm. that worked for him. You know, it's funny. Uh, I was on the red carpet uh, for the sh- the newest Shaft movie that came out this summer. Uh Dwight Howard was there. This was before, this was during the NBA Finals. <laughs> Dwight Howard was there. Obviously, Samuel L. Jackson was there. Cookie Johnson, Magic Johnson's wife, was there. Mm-hmm. Beyonce's parents were there. The Noses. Um, it just was a lot of people there. And at one point, I asked Samuel L. Jackson. This was before free agency. This was the finals. I said to him, "Where do you think Kawhi Leonard is going to go?" He looked at me and said, "The Clippers." Like he told you straight to your face. Yeah. Clippers. He told me Clippers with a straight face. Yes. Oh. I wrote about it. He was like the Clippers, <laughs> and people were like, people were quote tweeting, the hell does Samuel L. Jackson know about basketball? Like, this, that, and third. Like, he said Clippers, I believe he said Clippers first, or we signed him with the Raptors, or maybe the Nets. Um, but the Clippers were the team. And, I mean, that, that was something that, that a lot of times these things are decided even before free agency. Like, right. Like, like to, 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 to take it a step further and then still going back to your question, like, Kyrie and, and KD had made up their mind like a year ago. They went on vacation together uh, with some friends and had conversation about that the year before. Um, you know, Kyrie's a native of West Orange, New Jersey, a stone's throw from Manhattan. Um, his dad's from the South Bronx and is a streetball legend. Uh, Rod Strickland's his godfather. And, mm-hmm. you know, being close to home is, is something he wants to do where he didn't have to go with the identity of playing for the New York Knicks. He was never considering the New York Knicks. Never? Never. Okay. Was never. KD was more. I, I'll tell you that that decision for them to team up, if that free agency period started that Sunday, I know for a fact that KD made up his mind that Thursday. Um, Kyrie had been made up his mind. Um, and I'll tell you that um, there was a point where he was thinking about going back to Boston because things didn't sit right with him. Um, but he ended up going uh, to, to signing with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, to your question about uh, as far as the Clippers and the Lakers and their matchup, I don't really think the regular season means as much as everybody thinks. Mm-hmm. Just like you look at uh, at the time of this recording the night before the, the, the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder played each other, um, the Rockets lost, but that's an that's a regular season game. I think we look at these microcosms of somebody losing, and you know James Harden. I think 
um, shot 26% and still scored 40-something points. points. Yes. Um, I think that when you look at the regular season, the regular season is the regular season, but games do begin to add up. Um, you look at the Oklahoma City Thunder on on paper, that team is actually just a daggone good team. Uh, you look at Terrence Ferguson. You look at Danilo Gallinari. You you, you look at you look Shea at the, you, exactly. You look at the impact that Chris Paul is having on Shea Gilgis Alexander. I mean, I think that was one of the biggest deals in the in the Paul George trade. Uh, the, the impact of Shea Gilgis Alexander and him having the experience of playing on a Clippers team the previous season uh, that went toe to toe with the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that experience. The sky's the limit. And he also went to Kentucky, so he's no chump already. Um, but I, I think when you look at what Kawhi Leonard decided to do, it rested on what Paul George was, was going was gonna to do. You know, I was with, I was in Oklahoma City days after uh, the trade because I was with Russell Westbrook the day he was traded mm-hmm. uh, to the Houston Rockets. And, you know, when I look at what Oklahoma City was doing, it was just a foregone conclusion, you know, that, that Paul was going to be traded and he's actually impacted them in a lot of ways. And, you know, from all intents and purposes and things I'm hearing, he wants to stay, you know, and it has a residual effect on the Clippers and what's going on. But I, I do believe that uh, if, if Kawhi and the Clippers did not find a way to get Paul George to join uh, the Clippers, there would have been a greater chance um, of, of Kawhi signing with the Lakers um, because Anthony Davis was always in the works Mm-hmm. Um, LeBron James was part of the blueprint the year before the KD situation. I reported and was wrong mm-hmm. uh, that KD uh, was joining the Lakers. There were some factors that happened that changed. Uh, I don't know if it's so much the injury as it is the attention that comes with playing with LeBron, as 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 KD talked about in his interview with Rick Bucher of, Ble- of Bleacher Report. Um, I think that. What you saw last season as it related to LeBron and the Lakers was you, these young kids uh, are tired of deferring to LeBron. And when you become a teammate of LeBron, it's almost like you, 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 if you have your own mind, maybe LeBron feels threatened by that. Um, and I think, well, I know that began to be quietly the issue in Cleveland with Kyrie, uh, with Kyrie and other members of that team. Mm-hmm. You know, that, they, they were there were riffs in that locker room in 2016. So I think when you look at Kawhi Leonard uh, in that situation with the Lakers, Kawhi is a, just a different guy. Why join somebody when you can have your own? You know, everybody can't everybody can't do that. You know, LeBron came to Miami with Dwayne Wade and uh, Dwayne Wade basically told LeBron it was his team, but at times LeBron can take over, and everybody doesn't take to that. So, you know, when you look at that situation with the Clippers, um, I also just think it, it, you, you, I don't want to sell the Clippers short. They're a first-class organization. Got Jay you know, West, uh, Jay West up there. It starts at the owner. He exactly. spent good money, you know, and, and, and the thing is, the Clippers, you know, they rate they they were already a set team. Their best player on the on their team came off the bench in Lou Williams. You know, so you add two superstars or I don't necessarily consider Paul George a superstar, but I do consider him a star. Correct. Uh a, a key star. I don't consider Carmelo Anthony a superstar. I consider him a, a, a key star though. Um when you when you add Paul George to that team, it takes pressure off of Paul George. And I think, and, and I think, when you add Kawhi Leonard, a bona fide proven uh, contributor to teams on three mm-hmm. different teams, 
you know, I think I think he's been proven to be an, a, a valuable asset. But, but it, things could have changed had Paul George not joined the Los Angeles Lakers. I think certain people say all the right things after the pin is pin pin marks have dried. But uh, I think it would have been a greater chance had Paul George not um, gotten traded to the to the Los Angeles Clippers. Now what? Give me a quick prediction. Who do you have going to the NBA Finals? I don't like to do predictions because oh, people hold early. you to but I'll tell you what I think. Okay. Um, I think that in the second half of the season, um, you're going to still see you're going to still see a consistent uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, and and a Milwaukee Bucks squad that that's looking to compete. Um, and you've seen them improve every year. Um, and I think the one of the things that they've improved on, despite losing Malcolm Brogdon, I think they improved in, in the interior by adding Robin Lopez. I think that was one of the biggest steals uh, of the off season, uh, adding interior defense. But I think that Giannis knows who he is when he walks into a room, and I think that the, his confidence has grown exponentially since, you know, being uh, named the the league's MVP last season um, but I think when you look at Philadelphia last night uh, at the time of his recording Philly <laughs> played the Celtics and, and, and won mm-hmm. um, I think that this is the part in the season and you know in the new year that you start to see the man between the boys and you know Jalen Brown has been playing well Kimball Walker has something to prove um, Philadelphia I think overpaid for Al Horford but I think um, his veteran leadership is there I think he's the Joel Embiid whisperer and I think that uh Ben Simmons can benefits from uh, Al Horford, and I think Josh Richardson will will start to get into a groove for later on to the season. Uh, when you look at the Eastern Conferences between those two teams, I like Miami as well, though. And Miami's not somebody to sleep on. Not not not. I mean, Jimmy Butler again. When we talked about. Um, you know, guys going with their, their own flow and not just piggybacking off of other people. He basically became the, the Dwayne Wade replacement in Miami. Um, and I think that he, he's going to do well. Uh, Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn are a great supporting cast, and I think they're one all-star away, uh, an additional all-star away from doing something great. Does that mean in the offseason they go after Giannis? We'll see. Golden State, we'll see. Um, but in the current season, I think that the, the favorite would, would definitely be the the, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers and the, and the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. Um, with the with the NBA trade deadline coming up less than a month away, February 6th, um, with names being thrown out like um, what was it Morris? Was that Marcus Morris? Mm-hmm. Right, Marcus Morris being thrown out. You good utility piece for any team that he goes to. Is there is there any trade scenario or any any one team, what do they need to make a trade to improve their chances of winning a title? Uh, I think as year? much as everybody lo- looks at Lakers, Clippers, I think another team that people shouldn't sleep on is the Dallas Mavericks mm. uh, and making some type of move. They have assets. Uh, I think the Lakers traded a lot of their war chests away to get Anthony Davis in the offseason. Um, and I think, you know, I think that the, that the um, I think that Memphis, um, New York Knicks, and um, the Sacramento Kings will be very busy uh, come February 6th. Uh, the Lakers and the Clippers are monitoring you know, the situation. But it's interesting you bring up Marcus Morris because, you know, the Lakers had plans and scenarios A, B, and C uh, this offseason. You know, a lot of times on Twitter people will question, well, you didn't get this right, so that means you're wrong. But there's so many other segmented Factors pieces like, yes. like, okay, the Lakers, for example, were looking at D'Angelo Russell but it, 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 signing D'Angelo Russell also depended on whether they were able to not get 
Anthony Davis in a trade. But then Marcus Morris was being looked at, as was um, Ed Davis, mm-hmm. who ended up, who, he was a net, and I forgot where he signed, but Marcus Morris was a guy that was looking to uh, go to the Lakers. The Clippers were looking at Marcus Morris in the offseason, as were the San Antonio Spurs. There's so many things that were going on behind the scenes um, with Marcus Morris. But, you know, when you look at the New York Knicks organization, uh, they're not really doing well. Uh, I spoke to a, a current uh, player on a roster who basically said they're a first-class organization. We love playing for them, but we hate losing. And privately, there have been players on that team who've you know requested trades. Um, so we'll see what the Knicks do. Uh, the Knicks are, you know, are, I think the thing about Marcus Morris, he's like the New York because he just plays. You know that 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 Philadelphia hard scrapple, hard nose, Rasheed Wallace bravado. <laughs> Uh, Morris brings it. New York likes him, but you know it'll be interesting to see what happens. And then, of course, you look at Andre Iguodala. You know, Memphis is not looking to just buy him out. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers, his former team, the team that drafted him, uh-huh. are a team to look out for um, okay. in, in that in that situation. You know, many people just think the Lakers can get everybody, but there's rules and regulations and protocol. Um, and there, there is still a free agent market. There are guys like Jamal Crawford. There are guys like, you know, J.R. Smith. There are guys like Swaggy P. Uh, and Iman Shumpert, uh, who are still available. You know, and you need that playoff push. Those are the guys you add to that team. Now, Scoop, let's transition, man. It is Dent Week. Celebrity basketball game is coming up. You're going to be one of the participants in the game. Can you tell me what? What is one? What is one person you look forward to guarding, or one person you look to cooking one on one when you get onto the court? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. I'm honestly, I, I'm, I am um, enjoying the camaraderie of being here. I understand Mark uh, Maurice Spates is playing, mm-hmm. uh, Hoops is playing, um, T uh, Time Bronner, Tammy T Time Bronner, uh, one of the first women Harlem Globetrotters, uh, to first one of the one. I think she's one of the first ten uh, of, of Harlem Globetrotters to be playing some that I know well uh, I, I really am just looking forward to the camaraderie of just you know being around people who I may not know and people who I do know who like t- I talk about Tammy like Tammy lives in LA I go to LA she don't answer her phone but then when when I, I happen to run into her for an event with, uh, with 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 Puma in New York I'm like what you doing here <laughs> and then so when I found out she was playing I texted like yo you gonna be here so we've been texting all morning back and forth where you at where you at so to be honest with you like events like this are so cool because you get to be around your your, your colleagues and your peers like it's really it's really like to be in the position I'm in and to do what I do I, I don't take it for granted like it's the little things like that 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 I, I'm thankful for because there's a lot of people who would love to be in the position I'm in I don't take it for granted but I also know I put in the work and I also like to have a good time so i don't know if i'm gonna be cooking nobody <laughs> but um i'm really just looking forward to having fun yeah that's what it's all about man thank you again for coming in school b that's all you got to talk about i'm here all day oh you here all day I'm, i mean i'm just i'm just saying you know i want to keep it i want to keep it real light school you know what i'm saying we here I mean, what else you want to talk about? What you want to talk about? What y'all want to know? You got all your friends in here. Y'all got any questions? What y'all want to talk about? You ain't, you ain't, you ain't got nothing, Vlad? I mean, I just had a quick question about the Why do you think Paul George is not a superstar? That's just... That's the Why do I not think Paul George is a superstar? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, to me, 
I think that we have a star system in the NBA that a lot of people are deemed to be these stars before they step on the court. That's not necessarily his case because he came out of Fresno in some respects, maybe an unknown. I think he earned everything he got in Indiana, um, you know, coming to Oklahoma. Uh, and I think in a very Russell Westbrook dominated um, thunder. I And look at the difference between then and now. Um, I think that there are certain guys in the NBA that are superstars and certain people that are stars. So what, what about what about so, Dame Lillard? Damian Lillard, mm-hmm. I always thought he was great. I think people are just now catching up. Right. I feel the same way about Kimball Walker. Okay. I think a lot of people give Kimball Walker crap. Kimball Walker, just his the market he was in is not Miami, just not New York, it's not LA. Um, and so I think. The mainstream is slow to the slow to the slow to the to the uh, water cooler. Uh, to answer your question about Paul George, I just think there's certain guys in the NBA that are superstars. Like you can't give Paul George Michael Jordan treatment, but you could give Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James Michael Jordan treatment because I think that there are certain there's there's levels to it. Just say it. There's levels to it. Yeah, there's certain levels. I like Kyrie. I don't look at him as a superstar. I look at him as a star. Mm-hmm. And I still think that Kyrie has something to prove. I've said it since the beginning of the season. Like, Kyrie healthy is a problem, but he's got to stay healthy. You know, um, I, I look at Carmelo Anthony. Um, he's been an all-star because he played in a, in a weak Eastern Conference. Uh, but I also know that he's a gamer. Uh, and, and all dating all the way back to Oak Hill Academy, Towson Catholic, and, and winning a national championship at Syracuse. Um, I just think that Denver kind of made him damaged goods in the way people perceive him. And coming to New York, they just were horrible. Um, I, I look at Paul George in the situation in you know Indiana. Okay, y'all went to the conference finals against Miami and LeBron. You were supposed to be in that position. But it's like... Against, but, he, I, I, but I think what it, he because it, it was like you said it was really supposed to be him, Melo and D Wade in Miami, not Chris Bosh. So why do you? I I heard something. It was it was more about the money. He signed a I think we signed what is a, a longer deal with more money. Talking about Melo? Yes. Yeah, because all those guys were taking shorter deals. This was like, like I want to say like oh four oh five oh six around that time when LeBron and D Wade ended up in twenty ten. Um, decided to go to Miami. Chicago was initially supposed to be the team, and they were supposed to team up with Derrick Rose. But here's the thing. Just like you look at Wade, excuse me, pardon me, well, just like when you look at Kevin Durant and, and, and Kyrie Irving, if they sign with the Knicks, you got to compete with Walt Clyde Frazier, mm-hmm. Patrick Ewing, um, John Starks, Willis Reed, um, all those those Knicks legends that came before the Brooklyn Nets, you know, yeah. Brooklyn is, is is like it's it's cool to live in Brooklyn now because they play Biggie music at the Barclay, Barclays Center all day on day. They have SpongeBob night, you know. Yeah, they even have like the the Coogee sweater jersey design. Uh, on yeah, the, I mean, on you, you you listen, man. Live from Beverly Stuyvesant, the live is one. You know, they they're they're, <laughs> they're 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 that's that's a developing culture. Why not join that developing culture? 
you know, the Nets before Brooklyn were New Jersey. Ironically, they were the New York Nets at one point. They played on Long Island uh, at Nassau Coliseum. They moved to New Jersey. They were an ABA team. They moved to New Jersey and played in Piscataway, New Jersey. I don't want to give you New York, New Jersey uh, geography lesson, but the, the, <laughs> the, but but them going to Brooklyn, Brooklyn is cool. You know, um, playing for the Knicks, that's like playing in a museum. You know, you like so the same way with LeBron and Wade. Wade is from Chicago. LeBron is from Cleveland. He grew up liking Michael. Number one, you couldn't wear number twenty three in Chicago. No, no. Um, but you know, all those guys, all three of them are from the Midwest and have respect for one another. It's just Miami, just like Brooklyn. Miami is, was was in, was in, their inception was in nineteen eighty nine when they had Ronnie Cycli and 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 you know this was before y'all. That's when y'all was all walking with your daddies. <laughs> but like you know, like at the end of the day, like Miami was cool because. The only other, you know, mandate was, you know, Alonzo Mourning, Tim Hardaway, guys like that. But I, I think, I think when you look at at the decision for, you know, um, LeBron to do what he did in Miami, I, I think it was a right decision because um, Cleveland just wasn't cutting it. Nobody wanted to come to Cleveland; it was too cold. Have y'all been to Cleveland before? Never. I've been to Cleveland. Cleveland's cool. Um, the the coolest thing about Cleveland, y'all might think I'm a dork. But um, you 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 know the movie that comes on on on, on Christmas Day all day on TBS, A Christmas Story. I, I, they go, you shoot yes, your eye out. Yes. Yo, that was taped in Cleveland. For real? Yes. I went to the I went to the thing. They had the they had the light with the the lady's leg. That I went to Cleveland when it was snowing outside and saw the outside of the house. That's one of the coolest things about Cleveland, and you know, like, but when LeBron was there, they just they established a culture. Like, it was nightclubs there. You know, there's a, there's this hotel that's across the street from from Quicken Loans. It's not Quicken Loans Arena anymore. They used to call it the Q, but called the Nine Metropolitan at the Nine is a half hotel, half apartment complex, and then downstairs in the basement they they have a club and the, the Cavs DJ DJ Steph Floss he he DJs there. So I mean, like they like like how Drake made Toronto the Six, and it's cool. Like the LeBron <laughs> made Cleveland cool like that, but. You know, I, nobody was gonna really want to play on that LeBron. when LeBron came back. Right, but back then, nah, nobody. I mean, you got Wally Serbag to come. <laughs> it, it's it's that's it's not you know like Miami. I think he it, it was almost like Miami going to Miami was him going away to grad school or to college. Yeah, he, he even I remember he said that in his uh, letter back, to, something about that, making his letter back to Cleveland. Because Ohio, Northeast Ohio is all we knew. Got from Akron playing for Cleveland. Scoop all he knew. Radio. So I just want to rewind it real quick. So 2010, LeBron's making his free agency decision. He's deciding where to go, whatever. I know him and Jay-Z have a tremendous relationship on and off the court as well. So how how impactful was Jay-Z um, or how hard was he pushing trying to get LeBron to play on the net? He went up to LeBron said, he said, what you want me to do? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> come on, LeBron. I need you to come. <laughs> And he laughed. He said, ah, 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 ah. "No." <laughs> uh, so it's funny you bring that up. I had um, the rapper Too Short. You mm-hmm. asked me about it. If some of my favorite interviews, you really got me thinking. But like, I had Too Short on the podcast, Scoopy Radio, and and um, you remember when LeBron and, and Deshaun Stevenson so got into they, it? They really got into it, and yeah, in the playoff series. Yeah, and he and and Deshaun said. Uh, he he called LeBron overrated, and LeBron's response was, "That's like Soldier Boy saying Jay Z's overrated." Exactly. I remember and, that beef. And then and then Jay put out a diss track, used a blow the whistle. So I asked Too Short about it, and Too Short told me on the Scoopy Radio podcast that um, the reason why 
like he told me the whole story how like Jay Z called him was like asked him to clear the record. So he's like, "Yo, Toot, can you clear the record?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, he cleared it." So he sent it to him, and basically he said to me that Jay Z used blow the whistle as a recruiting tactic to get LeBron to join the, the then New Jersey Nets uh, in that free agency. If you recall, last decade, 2010, you know, LeBron was considering the Bulls. He was considering Knicks. the Knicks, the Nets. I, I really don't think um, – I think LeBron proved that you can bring Madison Avenue to you. Do you know what I mean when I say that? He can bring Broadway to him, meaning mm-hmm. he went to Miami. He played in Cleveland. The only time he played in a major city is when he played. Uh, other, I mean, if you consider Miami a major city like New York or L.A., okay. But real, respectfully and realistically, when you look at the difference between L.A. and New York, you look at those as, as m- more metropolitan cities. Um, L.A. was the for playing for the Lakers is the first time he's played for that type of market. Because he was protected in Cleveland, and Miami is still Miami. Like, the fans aren't the same as Lakers fans. They're not the same as – I think Knicks fans are funny like that. I think Oklahoma City Thunder fans are even diehard fans. When I, when I reported about Paul George's rotator cuff last year, you would have thought I stole I stole 20 apples from from your local bodega and, and gave Poppy the middle finger. <laughs> you know, it's like but, – but they're diehard fans. So when you look at, like – the, I don't think LeBron knew back then how to handle that pressure because I still think he cared a lot about what people think. Okay, and I wanted to segue into that as well because LeBron had the decision on ESPN. I believe it was like an hour-long special. I remember watching it on my on my dad's patio. I remember just sitting there watching it. You know, LeBron reveal his decision and whatnot. Did you did you feel like a sense a sense of nervousness nervousness from LeBron as he was about to announce the decision because he said he was kind of back and forth on it you know sleeping on it yeah whatnot yeah I mean I I think I think it goes back to my my premise I think LeBron cares a lot about what people think mm-hmm. and it was the first time I think professionally from what I know he made a decision for himself and not for maybe what other people thought he should do he went along with it like I mean you're looking at a guy who was represented by a major agent and then bucked that system and then put his friends on. Like, he is what Allen Iverson, he is the advancement of Allen Iverson and the quote-unquote posse. Like, he put his posse to work, not just hanging around. And so he, more more acute, I'll say this, um, LeBron James is the epitome of, of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air making it to the league. Mm. Um, you knew Jazz was ignorant, but he put him to work. <laughs> you knew Carlton was, quote-unquote, the white boy, but you knew he had Ivy League material, so you saw his talent. Um, you know, you knew Ashley was impressionable. You know, you, you, you maybe you made her the publicist. You knew Hillary knew style. You made her the fashion coordinator. You put everybody in a position where they can market themselves and brand themselves off of the bag. Mm-hmm. That's what you're supposed to do. You know, so when I when I look at LeBron's impact on the game, um, I, I think you have to look at it in sections. Like, I know this is not the question you asked me, but I, but I think I think reflectively we've never seen anything like this before and I, and I think when you see LeBron James come back to Miami on February 22nd when when Dwayne Wade's jersey's retired it's another example of like 
impact. Like, I think the only other person that had impact like that on multiple teams was maybe Shaq hmm. in chapters. Like, when you when you look at LeBron, okay, he left Cleveland, came back. And even when he left, he went to see Zajunas Ogalskis' jersey get retired in Cleveland. And then it's like, oh, wow. Then, you know, he leaves, he comes back to, to, to Cleveland, wins the championship 2016, they love him. Then, you know, he he goes to L.A. and this was this is now the Space Jam and intellectual property sector. Like you can't even really be mad at him because he won the Cleveland championship. Like who does that? And you won it for your own city. It's like so now in L.A. he gets to fly to Miami. It makes you start thinking. I mean, Miami was in the conversation in free agency two summers ago in 2018 as a possible destination. It just wasn't in the cards, you know. Um, You know, L.A. just was a natural and logical fit, Mm -hmm. even from the perspective of, you know, raising his his teenage boys and them going to high school and looking at their brand. Now you look at his daughter, Zuri, who has a brand and, you know, YouTube and all this other stuff like it's so many chapters and sectors kind of like Shaq with 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 Papa John's and Krispy Kreme and, you know, being a cop and having a Ph.D. and on and on and on. I, I just think. You know, LeBron's story is so layered. It's about basketball, but it's about the business acumen of putting your team on. Now, I did know since we're on the topic of LeBron, I remember seeing a story because um, I, I like to watch different you know, sports pa- podcasts and whatnot. So I remember I saw the one with Kevin Garnett going on Bill Simmons' uh, podcast talking about how him and the, the Celtics broke LeBron in the playoffs. From From your opinion... How how accurate do you believe that is at, at that at that point in time in LeBron's career? I mean, I think Kevin Garnett at that time was 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 selling uh, Hidden Gems the movie. Oh, with Adam Sandler. Uh, <laughs> so you know, a lot of times you do those price junkets, and uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you a, a Kevin Garnett story from a couple years ago. Uh, I think sometimes he Kevin Garnett intentionally says things to get people going. So um, I was at a, a, a NBA 2K party. In, in Brooklyn mm-hmm. uh, in 2018 and I ran into him and asked him a few questions and I, and I asked him about Wally Serbiak and he goes next question Ooh. Um, but then I asked him a question about Derrick Rose he looked at me this was before the, the 50 point game against the Jazz last season this was like preseason like right before the preseason he goes would you start him? I go, hell yeah. He goes, yeah, I would too. <laughs> and everybody thought he was crazy. Um, and then I asked him, I said, I asked him about the Lakers. And I said, and more specifically about LeBron and, and Rondo, because Rondo was his teammate in Boston. I said, he goes, I think the Lakers are going to struggle. He said that to me before last season. This is before LeBron's injury and everything else. He goes, but I think they're going to end up figuring it out. Here we are now figuring it out. Um, I think I think Kevin Garnett is is much more of a basketball brainiac than we than we give him credit for. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think he's very very intelligent, but I think his 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 demeanor, his not caring, uh, is highlighted more because that's what he gives us. But I I think um, his basketball IQ is off the charts. Um, I, I can't really speak to everything that he said, but you know, I do 
pay attention to what he said about Kyrie and not having a cojones uh, to play. I think it was for the Knicks. Um, I think that was a personal decision based upon being a, a local guy and knowing the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and playing in Boston is a, is a different animal because he didn't sign with them. He was traded there. Uh, and he was traded there, I believe, uh, based upon him knowing that LeBron was not returning to Cleveland. And so he requested a trade. Ooh. So when we talk about – I'm going I'm to put you on the spot, Scoop. So, of course, you know, all games are meant to be played, you know, determined, you know, but players want to be, be uh, consider themselves the GOAT in whatever sport, respective sport they play. So, LeBron, Kobe, Jordan, who, who do you believe is the GOAT of the NBA? Michael Jordan. Wholeheartedly, hands down, no argument? No. Why not? Because I said so. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I, I think when you look at Michael Jordan, I, I think um, – I'm partial because I fell in love with the game of basketball in 91. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, my family owned and operated a sneaker store in Harlem on 25th and Lenox Avenue down the street from the Apollo Theater um, for years. A sneaker store called the Athlete's Foot. We were the only black owned Athlete's Foot in New York State. Um, and so, you know, my stepfather's from the west side of Chicago, literally minutes down the street from the United Center. And this was back when it was Chicago Stadium, when they used to run up the stairs to go on the court. United Center, they call it the house that, that, that Michael built. Um, I, I fell in love with the game of basketball. Um, and basically, he um, he changed the game from an advertising perspective, from a, from a, from a marketing perspective. He set the, he set the tone. So I think that when when it's all said and done, he's there. But y'all probably know him for playing for the Wizards, so that's why. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but, but it, the, it, it was just the era we was like the, that, the yeah, that, just, we were born. that 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 has nothing to do on. I, I'm not looking down that because my parents could say the same thing to me about Magic. Like I knew I watched Magic in the '91 Finals against the Bulls, and they weren't Magic. You know, Magic was playing with Lottie Divac, and, and the Bulls pulverized them. Um, but I, I'm not dumb to think that y'all didn't watch classic ESPN games hard, of Michael. Hard, hard so, so it's like it, it's it's but it, it's one thing to watch it live, and it's another thing to experience it and know the know know what it is in. I say that to say this: I think that Kobe is the closest to Michael. Yeah. The way he plays, the way he chews his gum, the way he tucks in his shirt, the way he takes fall away jumpers, the way, the way he plays defense, the way that he talks sugar, honey, iced tea. <laughs> That's him. Kobe is the closest to Michael. I don't think you can quantify LeBron as Michael or Kobe because LeBron is his own entity. And I think when you look back in time, you're going to like. Like, your children are going to say, Michael, they're going to look at Jordan's like, sneakers like, like Chuck Taylor's. Like, old, outdated. It's different. So, I, I feel like you, It's I think people try so hard to just put LeBron in this box. It's not fair. It's not right to the game. Because, to be honest with you, LeBron is more Oscar and magic than he is Michael. 
there's flashes of Michael, but I also think that there are flashes of Charles Barkley. There are flashes of Oscar Robertson. There's flashes of Dominique Wilkins. I think he's just a painting, and he's his own painting. Now, now Scoop, for the people that's listening, you might you probably ruffle some feathers, you know, by the time that they hear this. But I, I, and I respectfully disagree with you, Scoop. But I think he just set me up for that. <laughs> no, 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 Scoop, Scoop. Listen, there, like, there's always been a connection between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Whether you say it's fair or not, that that's uh up to be the, up to be determined. But I think what really kind of sealed that narrative and wh- why people, you know, trying to keep, you know, keep connecting those two is because back in 2016, LeBron, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, the Cleveland Cavaliers came back from a 3-1 deficit against the arguably, like, record-wise, one of the greatest teams of all time where the Warriors went 73-9. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do, do you think that's warranted in the conversation? Of, you know, Yeah, but I, I, I yeah, I, to me, I compare that to Magic, um, Subbing in for Kareem when he got hurt in the finals and starting at center. center, right? So I, I think, but I also think that LeBron going to Miami um, created a dog out of him in a good way. Um, I, I, I could use this example because it, 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 it as African American males, it, it may resonate with some. I, I have the advantage of, of growing up in a single parent household. Also being in a blended family and having a stepfather who raised me as his own. My, my biological father wasn't in my life until I was 16. Um, and when he was in my life, there came a point at 18 where I believe my mother couldn't do nothing. Or my stepfather couldn't do nothing else for me because my father had to be a father to me. And there's certain things a father can teach their son that a mother or their stepfather can't necessarily teach. I say that to say this, I think LeBron could only go but so far in Cleveland. And that, and I think him going to Miami was almost like that go stay with your father and have that father experience. I think that that dog is why Kyrie and all those young guys in Cleveland were often turned off by LeBron because that level of tough love they didn't necessarily see. And once Kyrie went to Boston and was the star of his own team, he now understood where LeBron was coming from. I say that to say, I think that that 2016 finals appearance with the Cavs and the Warriors showed the tough, hard-nosed demeanor that Kyrie and, and LeBron had. And them other guys were just standing around. I also think that in that moment, that was when the Warriors realized they had to do more and they went out and got KD. Mm-hmm. But I do think that um, Miami prepared LeBron for that 3-1 deficit or that 1-3 deficit with the Warriors. But I still think when it's all said and done, LeBron is his own entity. I, I, I don't – I think – I think when you come into the league and you're the self-proclaimed king, though – you, you you get that criticism. I think that's why LeBron gets it hard. This this is your king. That's your king. <laughs> Hello, king. Like you know, like that comes with the territory. You know, Magic Johnson is. I, I make that comparison. Six eight six nine point guard that had a smile on his face and was non threatening. Magic wishes he had the score the scoring package LeBron had. I just think LeBron is just a throwback to so many different players. And I just think we have to have lists as, as consumers of, of, of sports and basketball. And I think that at the end of the day, um, 
when we retroactively look at LeBron, we'll have a greater appreciation when this when the story is written than okay. we do right now. Because I think the story's still being written. Like I think Tim Duncan, I think people slept on him. Five rings. And I think, but I think because he's boring. He, listen, I didn't like asparagus and oatmeal <clears throat> until I got older, but I appreciate it because it's good for you. But Tim Duncan still has stuff that KG and Dirk Nowitzki don't have. Multiple rings. KG just got a ring on his way out. Dirk got that ring in 2011 after Dwayne Wade shellacked him in 2006. Mm. So I, I think at the end of the day, when you look at Tim Duncan's body of work, it's magnificent. Uh, I, I feel the same way about Hakeem Olajuwon. I think so many people paid attention to Michael, Gary Payton, and Reggie Miller in the 90s. Uh, they slept on, I don't want to say slept on, but I don't, I don't think they had a great appreciation for, for Hakeem. But I also think in, in the 90s, um, th- there were so many talented big men and guards in the league. Like when you look at, when you look at the 90s, you had, um, you had David Robinson. You had Char- well. I'm talking more about big men, but you're right, Charles. And I think that's just a difference in generational philosophy as well. A big man traditionally was a seven footer. In today's game, Charles Barkley would be a big man. Mm-hmm. Like today's game, Draymond Green would be a big man, but he's not. But 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 to 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 your point, power forwards we were we were spoiled too because I think I think I think um, you had Sean Kemp, you had you had um, you had you had Chris Webber, you had Jawan Howard, you had all these power forwards, but then in, in, in the center position, you know, you had, you had, um, you know, you, you had Hakeem, you had, you had Patrick Ewing, you had um, David Robinson, you had all these guys. I think that um, Hakeem Olajuwon was ahead of his time because his footwork was impeccable. I, I mean, when anytime you got Kobe Bryant and Mari Stoudemire and LeBron James um, seeking you out to, to teach you footwork, you you know you got the Ponce de Leon founder youth. Um, no, you like you said you consider yourself a Jordan head. You know Jordan's the goat to you. He's the goat, but but I, but I as as a guy that at my age, I also re- who had who has young, a, a younger brother. You guys' age, mm-hmm. I also understand. Um, I, I understand that things change, mm-hmm. and the only way to stay relevant, you have to adjust. Um, I was around to see, I, like, I, I wasn't born with my in Michael Jordan's rookie year, right? But I watched Michael Jordan play from '91 till retirement, and had a keen understanding of of what he meant to culture. Um, I also know that he impacted the way that guards, um, you know, play the game. I also realized that many people were priming Vince Carter to be the heir apparent, and Harold Miner to be the heir apparent, and Penny Hardaway to be the heir apparent. And it was Kobe. I mean, you, you prime Grant Hill. I, I, I talked to Grant Hill back in the spring, and I asked Grant, I said, yo, do you really feel like you were LeBron before LeBron? And he says LeBron told him that he was. You know, like, you look at this, that stuff. I mean, seriously, like, when Grant Hill signed with the Orlando Magic in 2000, they had Grant Hill, Daryl Armstrong, Tracy McGrady, John Amici, Mike Miller. Grant Hill was their point guard. And 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 Daryl Armstrong was point guard size, and you wonder how good that team would have been had he not hurt his heel. You know what I'm saying? So it's like certain things you look back on. I I think LeBron 
watched Scotty, watched Penny, watched Jalen Rose, watched Grant Hill. Like so many of those guys were were like Jordan adjacent while Jordan was still dominating. So what? Okay. So am I next, saying too much? Oh no 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 <laughs> no! I, I just want to know. Come, my next question is: you know, what is your favorite Jordan moment when he dropped sixty six? Um, when he dropped, uh, oh my bad, the double nickel against the Knicks when he when he won his uh his ring on Father's Day, his sixth ring against the Jazz. It was a push off. Or when he when he dropped sixty three against the Celtics. What was your favorite Jordan moment growing up? You know, I was with Bob Costas uh, a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and we talked about we relived his calling of the, the the game against you know the jazz the the, the last second shot against and, and over brian russell to push off um and he and like his recollection of it just as not just a broadcaster but um as a fan of basketball was almost like it happened yesterday it was chilling to hear him talk about it um and i'll remember michael jordan's last second shot against the utah jazz in the finals because um it felt so poetic, like only Michael could pull that off and then retire right before the lockout, the first lockout, um, and then watch the Bulls separate. Like you saw Dennis Rodman go to the Lakers and, and the Mavericks, and you saw, you know, Scotty join the Rockets, the Suns, and 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 um, um, other teams. So I, I think, you know, when it's all said and done. Um, I think that moment was the was a great moment. I think the Jordan flu game was great. I remember playing in a classical band when I was in in grade school and in between concerts was watching that because I won't forget it. Like uh, Scotty hugging him after, um, and and just the impact of that. And wearing the 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 the, the twelve, the Jordan twelve, right? The black twelves. I'll never forget um, Nick Anderson and and Michael um, going at it in 95 when Jordan wore 45 and then switched back to 23 and the NBA fined him mm-hmm. uh, for doing that. And, you know, I know Nick Anderson. It's funny. We've been playing phone tag the last year. I've been trying to get him <laughs> on the podcast to talk about it. And I ran into Nick in Orlando because he works in the front office of the Magic. I said, and I had called him. I, you know, I'm in Orlando. I said, damn, you can't answer my phone, but I see you and you, hey, hey, hey. So it's like, you know, just that, that, Nick Anderson, Orlando Magic, Chicago Bulls moment is like to me was just so prophetic or, or iconic because I remember when Michael retired, I liked the Orlando Magic afterwards. So I got two questions. Um, I'll ask the second one after you answer the first question. Y'all talked about OKC, and I'm a big OKC fan. Do you believe that the breakup of Westbrook and Parsons was the right moment, or was it too early for them to like? So I've always said this. Um, when I look at um, that breakup, it, it was before your time, but I'm sure you've read it. It reminds me so much of the Dallas Mavericks with Jason Kidd, Jamal Mashburn, and Jimmy Jackson when they broke up. And many people say it was over a woman. Do you oh, the, okay, and the Mavericks. Just, yeah, it, it, it was over. They said it was over Tony Braxton. <laughs> if you go back and you read your history, research Jason Kidd, Jamal Mashburn, Jimmy, yeah. and Jimmy Jackson and Tony Braxton. The rumor was uh, that they were they were all dating Tony Braxton. That's the rumor. I, I don't know if it's true. Jason Kidd has often refuted it. Uh, when you look at the Oklahoma City Thunder, I just think that they were a, a, a dynasty that didn't realize their true potential. Like I, I told you, I spent some time in Oklahoma City um, last summer. Uh, the day that Russell was traded, I spent some time in Oklahoma, like for a whole week, and um, just learned that you know when they played Miami in the finals, like they were going to Miami and partying the night before, 
and then playing against the Miami Heat, like the Heat were like business oriented, like they wanted to to win and dominate. And and and, and you know the stories I've heard, the Thunder were just very too comfortable. You know, I, when I look at the Thunder, they remind me so much of the Orlando Magic when they went to the finals in '95. Shaq against that Jordan, yeah. Well, no, against the Houston Rockets right. in '95. They had Shaq. They had Nick Anderson. They had Dennis Scott. They had Penny Hardaway. They had all those guys. But they were still young. And when I think you go back in time and you look at the Orlando Magic and you look at Oklahoma City Thunder, similar. I mean, you look at Serge Ibaka. He got a ring with the the Toronto Raptors. Kevin Durant got multiple rings with the Warriors. Mm -hmm. Uh, Russell stayed, you know, and his loyalty was what it was. Um, You know, I think that that team was just young, and I, I think I think when you look at that Thunder team that went to the finals that year, um, to me, when it's your time, it's your time. It was Miami's time, and I also think that that Pacers team that had Roy Hibbert and and Paul George and some of those other guys, they they wasn't beat Miami. They just weren't. It was just Miami's time. So I, I think Oklahoma, the Thunder. Uh, over the last year, I've really just sat back and written pieces about them and, and spent time with Russell and, and some of those other guys and really got a gauge of just, number one, how much the fans mean to that organization, how family-oriented they are, and also just um, – I just don't think they were a championship-ready team. I just think they were the they were the best team in that moment. And the Spurs and the Lakers were just off them years. And my second and last question is, do you still believe Steph Curry to be the like golden child of the NBA, or would it be Kawhi Leonard? I mean, he's gonna always be golden. He's yellow, but I, think, <laughs> but I, I think when you look at, when you look at, um, number one, he he has the advantage of of being you know the child of one of a great shooter uh, in Del Curry. Uh, I got a chance to spend time with Dell uh, during his time in the league in the 90s and, you know, it, 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 around that Hornets team that had, like, Anthony, the late Anthony Mason, God rest his soul, um, uh, uh, Glenn Rice, Matt Geiger, some of those other guys, David Wingate. Um, and, and just I remember being around that team and just how much of a family-oriented team they were. Um, and there's no substitute for being a second-generation ball player. Klay Thompson had that advantage with his father, Michael, playing for the Lakers. Um, Kobe with his dad, Joe Jellybean Bryant. I think when you're a child of an NBA player and you better than your daddy, you got all the bragging rights in the world. Um, and so I think, you know, he's the godson of the NBA. And I also think he was blessed not just by winning championships, but the seed that was planted even before they won it. And that is in Mark Jackson, uh, who, who instilled a lot of confidence in him at a time when nobody was really even checking and thinking Steph was going to be that good. I think But when you look at the NBA 10 to 15 years from now, uh, I think we're going to all agree um, that Steph was very underappreciated, just like Tim Duncan was. I think he is the modern day Tim Duncan in that people don't totally appreciate how good he actually is. Um, but I also think that's because um, they won all the time. You look at the Patriots. Tom Brady wins all the time. It gets boring. It gets boring. And, you know, then people will throw in, well, they cheated, you know, what have you. Um, I'm no judge or jury, but when you win all the time, people hate you. Um, so I think when you win all the time and or if you're both all the time, people hate you. And I think that with Steph Curry, he's just him, man, as it relates to Kawhi Leonard. I think he is in his own lane. Um, I think when you look at the playoffs last season, uh, what a time to be alive when you didn't have a top pick. 
a high lottery pick dominating the playoffs and LeBron James out of it. You had guys like Kawhi, uh, Steph Curry, uh, who went to smaller schools and, 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 and excelled. Um, you know, you even look at uh, Kyle Lowry, he went to Villanova down the street from where I went to undergrad. Um, you know, it's a big basketball school, but it's not North Carolina, it's not Kentucky. Now, Scoop, you know, I could just tell by talking to you, you're, you're a huge basketball junkie, of course. A little bit. <laughs> um, of course, we all love a great movie or whatnot, you know, great basketball movies, of course, you know, like Space Jam, Michael, of course, your goat Michael Jordan or, you know, Coach Carter. Yeah. What is, what was, what is your favorite uh, basketball movie that's ever been made? Uh, I got a few. One of them is a movie with Billy Crystal called Forget Paris. Okay. He was in that, he it detailed, highlight the life of an NBA referee. Um, yeah, I should check that out. Um, the other movie is a movie called Eddie with uh, Whoopi Goldberg. She is the coach of the New York Knicks. Really? Yes. So she wins a, a, a shooting contest, and basically um, she and the Knicks are under new ownership, and they're, they're doing terrible. No surprise. <laughs> Self-fulfilling prophecy is that. But basically, um, you know, they want to sell tickets, and they hire this girl to be the head coach of the New York Knicks. Uh, one of my favorite movies, the late um, Malik Silly is in that movie. Anthony, the late Anthony Mason is in that movie. Uh, Mark Jackson is in that movie. Uh, you should check that out. Um, and then maybe a more recent one. Um, I liked Space Jam. Space Jam was cool. How you feeling about a Space Jam 2? How, how you feeling about a remake of that with, with LeBron, Dame Lillard, Klay Thompson in it? Um, I got to see it. You got to see it? I got to see it first to give you an answer. Okay, but prediction. Do you think it'll be better than the first one? No. Why not? Why is it just because nothing's, you can't, nothing's ever better than the first one? Because you can't replicate every movie. Okay. You can't. Huh? Yeah. Like, not, like I don't know if this this is definitely before your time, but I watched it with... um. I watched it with um, my parents. The, the TV show, The Honeymooners, mm-hmm. it comes on during uh, it comes on during New Year's Eve, and like when they remade it with with Steve Harvey and, and Cedric the Entertainer, it's like, bro, <laughs> like, come on, B. Oh, so that wasn't that. So the, the they made it into a movie. Okay, okay, yeah. I, I, I was just gonna ask. Cause I remember seeing that movie, you know, about them the ra- racing the dogs and stuff like that. So that I, cause I only seen it that one that. Uh, that one so i've read that you know you love to travel in your free time love to try new foods um one what is one of your uh, favorite spots to travel and two what are some of your favorite foods to to eat okay so favorite place to travel um two years ago i went to uh thailand Mm -hmm. for 15 days um thailand was cool i went like island hopping as i went to like um Everybody knows Bangkok. Uh, I went to a place, a beach area called Hua Hen. Uh, there's other places, Feast in the Lok. Uh, the food is good. Um, I like um, pad thai, shrimp pad thai, uh, which is noodles with like a peanut butter sauce and shrimp. It's, it's pretty good and it's pretty affordable. Like the good thing about traveling is the most expensive thing you'll pay for is like your flight. Like when I flew to Thailand, I bought the tickets in October. I flew in January and I paid like eight fifty round trip. So like I had a quick stop from JFK Airport in New York to Dubai for like three hours, and then from Dubai to Thailand, um, you can get food for like six, seven dollars. The, the the money exchange is, is is pretty dope. Mexico, which I just came back from, was pretty dope. The money exchange is great. 
it's the 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 transfer is eighteen pesos equals one US dollar. Mm. So you you know you can you can make some things happen. Like I bought a magnet and like a shot glass <laughs> uh, in a store and paid six dollars and ninety nine cents in US dollars. So Scoot, make make me one promise. I, I, I want you to keep this promise. Okay. So next time you go somewhere, okay, you're gonna bring back something to eat or a souvenir. I want you to promise that you're gonna bring back something, right? I will. You sure? I promise. Promise. I promise. You know this is on camera and audio. You, you, you know you can't break this, right? I gave you my word. My oh, word hey. is my bond. Listen, I did not want to, I didn't even sleep. <laughs> I wanted to take a later flight, but it was important to me because I gave you my word that I would come in this radio station and talk to you. And you did. Yeah. So if I, so if this, if that's any collateral, you know, for, for bringing you something back, <laughs> and I'm not going to pull one of them as long as I owe you, I'd never go broke. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I said I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna bring you something back. Sure. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, also, real quick, you know, celebrity game coming up in about about less than twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, spit me your favorite whole verse. Uh, I'm so far ahead of my time, about to start another life. Look behind you, I'm about to pass you twice. Mm-hmm. And then he remixed it and said, "I'm so far ahead of my time. My grandma just met my grandfather at the high school prom." Mm. <laughs> that's like when your parents tell you uh, uh, I learned I, I forgot more than you ever learned mm-hmm. it's like one of, it's one of them mm. um, I just think for you know when you talk about Jay obviously I'm a Jay fan but for me like it's so much bigger than just the rhyming I think for me he took something he was passionate about and he applied it into a lifestyle you know, I tell people all the time, people are like, you're always out. I say, yeah, but I'm really not. I'm out for work, but I'm actually having fun. When I'm not at work, I'm not home chilling. Mm. I think when you, I think he took, you know, the arts. He took fashion. He took liquor. He took basketball. He took sitting courtside, having the baddest chick in the game. Um, Wearing his chain. Yeah. Uh, at the time. Um, <laughs> you know, you took all of those different facets. You took, you know, the, the elements of hip hop, the, the, the beatboxer, the, 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 the DJ, the, 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 the D-boy, the, you know, the breakdance, all that. He, he applied that to, you know, um, every facet of life. And he showed you what to do in a room full of vultures. And just shady need to be taken over. He he literally did that. And he and, and I feel like I feel like I tweeted this in the summertime. If you if you listen to his verses and you watch his moves, it's a it's a case study on how to and how to start a business, and how to and, and a, a very set, a, a successful and lucrative business and 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 it, it's a case study on, on putting you and your friends on, um, and and and, and being successful. You know, Ty Ty was was his was his guy. Memphis Bleak was his guy. Damon Dash was the, was the hype man. Maybe it didn't work out, but I think we as blacks we did not we're not used to seeing rappers be successful past 40 because it was considered a young man's game um we also didn't see before him a sense of ownership like def jam was successful you know ll cool j was was signed jay-z was an indie so you asked me about scoopy radio as an independent entity mm-hmm. um jay somebody i admire because you know, you go to it. You go to like I've been to the forty forty club before. I remember when forty when 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 four 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 came out. You had you had the celebrities in the forty forty club. You had the drug dealers in the forty forty club. You had the you had the, the you know successful white people in the club. Like that facet of the element of success. Everybody had to be in that moment because 
um, it was something that was 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 art. And I feel like in all facets of his life, he connected with the drug dealer. He connected with the white businessman. He connected with the banker. He connected with um, he connected with team owners like he had a voice and he used it and he parlayed it and he never got comfortable and he wasn't afraid to take risks. To me, that's the, that's the American dream. And I think as the American dream is being reinvented, you know, you look at the indie rappers, you look at me as an independent journalist, but still working with the machine, you know, heavy.com, you know, is, is a good look. But at the same time, uh, I use Scoopy Radio to funnel the interviews because I get, you know, I get guests that I can book on my podcast based off relationship and I can write about it. So, you know, um, Rockefeller Records, he used Priority Records as the as the as the as the record label to push it still as an indie guy mm-hmm. at a time when nobody else wanted to sign him because he didn't look like LL Cool J. But he could rap his, his behind off. Got that right. So I I got I got another music question. So a lot of a lot of very talented, you know, platinum gramming, selling artists, whatever, coming out of New York. Give me your give me your top five New York artists. Of all time? All time. Um, yikes of all time Cause, cause in no like, particular order no particular order I, I'm not that harsh okay so Big L okay Big L okay um Nas mm. um I'm tell you somebody lyrically that people don't give enough credit to who Big Pun mmm I don't want to be a player no more. <laughs> um, four would be. It's not my four, so I'm not going to count as four, but I'm going to put acknowledge it anyway. Okay. Big Daddy Kane. Hmm. Um. I I wasn't around like Big Daddy Kane was a little before me, even though I know it. Mm-hmm. But I think Slick Rick is my number four because Slick Rick was an excellent storyteller. That's four. Um, number five for me personally is Jadakiss. Now, people look at me and say, why didn't I name Biggie? To me, Biggie was fun. Mm-hmm. But big, but certain rappers you start to rearrange certain things when you go to you know you guys in college you listen to you listen to certain music that maybe your parents didn't let you listen to or you just didn't it just didn't interest you and then when you sit and you just dissect it you like wow this this guy is is dope mm-hmm. biggie i i had biggie at my disposal um but certain guys certain like big daddy kane i listened to in college more than i did when i was a kid but Nas to me resonated with me. I purposely didn't put Jay Z on that list just because that's obvious, <laughs> um, and I just think Jay Z is so iconic. Like he transcends that. He list. transcends, but I, I think he's there. Um, so I, I purposely didn't put Biggie and Jay Z on my list, but but the list that I have, I, I think it's, it's a substantial list. Um, but if if you give me my greatest li- rappers of all time, he'll definitely be in my top five. Ooh. You're originally from Harlem, New York, right? I split time between... Jer- I was born in Newark, New Jersey. Um, my mom is from Harlem. My dad is from Jersey City, New Jersey. They divorced, so I split time between Harlem and Jersey. Wait, I wanted to ask you a question because my mom is originally from Queens. Okay, Queens get the money. Uh, born in Queens, not too far off 90th Street. 
I know you are. So, um, <laughs> I'm waiting to ask, because a lot of people say we're like mad New York biased when it comes to music. Do you believe there's any New York rapper that is trash or garbage? Um, I won't say trash and garbage. I never understood the hype about Takashi 6 ix 9 Oh, I know. You're talking about like, people like that. Talking You're talking about, about currently? Like, like, let's say Cameron. Like, um, like in that kind of era. I think I think Cameron and Jim Jones. Um, I think most people outside of New York City may not necessarily understand the significance of why the diplomats are iconic. Uh, when you look at just the style that's that's now, the form fitting clothes, the ripped jeans, the skull and crossbones, that was Jimmy. I, you know, I was with Jimmy um, in November at a at a Thanksgiving um, food drive. I was actually I was hella late, and I called him outside right before he was gonna leave. I said, I, I got a couple questions for you, and he said to me, "We are the roll." He said, "Diplomats are the Rolling Stones of hip hop." Um, I think that their cult following for this generation was what Wu Tang was for mine. Um, and it's and it's not so much just dressing; it's their style, it's their word patterns, like Joel said, like and and through multiple decades. The thing about Jim Jones to me that's that's substantial is the fact that Jim Jones was wearing. Jim Jones started out as the hype man f- for for Cameron um, in the '90s, and him being the hype man carried over to going independent, carried over to the Rockefeller era because. There are, because Jim and Cameron are, are and Joel's all from Harlem, as is Damon Dash and Cameron signing to death to Rockefeller Records is part of the reason why Rockefeller split because Jay Z and Cameron were not cool like that. Um, and then to continue to be consistent even after Rockefeller, uh, to have you know just you know going into reality TV and some of the other business ventures that they're doing like on an independent level, um, I, I think that that doesn't I think that that Dipset was ahead of their time. You know, Cameron, from a business perspective, owns laundromats. Uh, has always had apparel. Has always. I, I told. I told NBA Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas, who who's a dear friend of mine. Uh, I said. I told him. I said, "You are the Cameron of the NBA. You always selling something." And he <laughs> laughed. Uh, I, I think when you look at the at, at, at the diplomats, they they have their place. Uh, and and I think that when you look at Fifty Cent. Those same Takashi Six Nine people that I speak of were influenced by Fifty Cent because of that mixtape era, of 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 um that mixtape era, uh, where Fabulous Jim Jones or something so more so Joe Budden, um, made it happen. Like I think even Joe Budden's significance was ahead of his time. I'm I'm very cool with Tahiri, his ex girlfriend, mm. and you know I, I I knew of Tahiri off of Joe Budden TV when I was in college. That was reality TV for hip hop before reality TV. Jim was or Joe was ahead of his time in owning his own intellectual property, and I think he's a genius. Everybody knows him as the pump it up guy, but you know there's so much, so much more to him than just that. You know, so I, I look at, I just look at, um, I, I, I'm not gonna put anybody out there, but I, I just don't think that I think everybody was their own entity. Like I think for Busta Rhymes, his legacy is is, is longevity. You know, when you look at Fifty Cent. He 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 used disruption to propel his career and power to take it to the next generation, but that Get Rich or Die Trying album uh, was 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 masterful, you know, and a master class in how to take to be a product of your environment and be successful. 
I take my hat off to him. So, you know, you look at Jadakiss and you look at the locks, um, you know, they got out of their deal or rather was wearing shiny suits and, and, and ended up going Snoop independent and has been successful. You look at Styles P. He opened a car wash in, in Yonkers. Um, you know, you, you look at Sheik Luch uh, and, and Styles P opening up the juice bar uh, and, and just, you know, Jadakiss reinventing himself, being a fat, ball guy to a skinny guy with a, with a, with a seasoned low-cut haircut. You know, he's always found a way to reinvent himself, and I think he is the New York Nate dog. He can write hooks for days. Now, Scoop, one more question for you, know, before you get up out of here. What is the greatest rap beef, um, or one one rap beef in particular that left um, a mark on you and the rap culture? Um, I liked Jay and Nas's beef. Mm-hmm. It reminded me so much of Meek and um, and Drake, um, but in a digital era. Uh, I remember running home to watch or to listen to Angie Martinez on Hot 97. Oh, she's now at Power 105, but... When 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 Jay put out Super Ugly, you asked me another one of my favorite Jay lines, <laughs> and as I'm talking, it makes me think of that line: "Me and the boy AI got more in common than just balling and rapping." Get it? More in common? <laughs> he said he skied in the jeep, left condoms on the baby seat. When you was calling her name, I was boning her neck. Oh. You get it? Boning her neck like 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 when you was calling her phone, I was boning like that like that that I don't know if you've ever heard Super Ugly. But that song was so disrespectful, Jay-Z's mother, Gloria, called him and made him apologize to Nas. That's this. He talked about his baby moms and him and AI having something in common with him. With, you know, his baby moms. Like, like, but, I mean, don't get it twisted. <laughs> Nas, Ether, Jay-Z, and Ether. Yeah. So it's like, I, I, think, I think that that beef got too personal. Mm-hmm. And they went for they both went for the jugular, um, and I think that um, it, it surprised me that Meek, and granted Meek has rehabilitated his career and is in a different space, but that present day Meek, twenty fifteen Meek, uh, was not a battle rapper, and I think it proved to people you don't have to be hood to be witty. Hmm. You look at Drake. Why you saying uh? No, because I, I I think people just thought that 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 Meek was gonna destroy him just because it was the ball from Philly going against the ball from Toronto, and the dude from Toronto put on his Will Smith cap and and destroyed him. He learned the game from William Wesley. You can never check him. <laughs> so it's like you know I I think that 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 scenario reminded me so much of Jay and Nas's beef, but on a digital level. Mm-hmm. And you know I, I know Jalo Beats. Jalo Beats came on a podcast that I did at CBS and said you know the beef is not over, and that went viral. And he Jalo had texted me right before Meek dropped. Was that? I just want to know, mm. and I was mad because I actually liked that song. It's just. It came late. It, 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 was, it was it was too late because Drake got already dropped the back to back. Is that a world tour? Your girls tour? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's one of the things. Like, I tell you, I, I also liked. Um, and this was when I was an undergrad. I, I liked Fifty Cent and um, Jadakiss's beef because mm-hmm. Jadakiss actually got him. Congratulations, homie! You made history. You screw a press conference. Press this on your conscience, Steve Lock. Cheers, homie. 
it, 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 I think um, I, those are probably my favorite three. Jay and Nas, Jadakiss and 50, and uh, Drake and Meek. And then and then Fat Joe put out my fofo. My fofo fo 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 fo. I'ma give it to you 50 nice and slow. Now let's take it back to the vibe awards with that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. True. True. Is this gonna play on the radio Monday morning? Morning, Monday morning, yes. Sir. The whole interview. Hold on. What? We gonna we gonna break it up in the parts. Alright, we gonna break it up in the parts. Alright. Yes, yes sir, yes sir. Bet, bet. But um again, thank you, School B for sliding through. You, you know, like you said, man of your word. I just wanna, you know, thank you again for sliding through. Man. Thanks for having me, man. And then uh, when y'all come up top to New York, let me know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I, I got your number. I, I contact you. He he flexing, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Alright, we out. Alright. We out. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.